All right. Do it. Is there any theme music? <laughs> Hear the theme music. I'll do a time. theme music. I'll do, okay. Beep, beep, beep. Welcome to the fucking metaverse. This is the podcast where we talk about the metaverse, NFTs, cryptocurrency, Web3, and whatever else is on our minds. We have no idea what we're fucking doing, and I'm your host, Wiley Arnow, a.k.a. Uh, Gordon Goner. And I'm your co-host, Greg Solano, a.k.a. Garga. We are so stoked to be here with our friend, the legendary digital artist, Beeple. Thank you guys for having me. It's definitely, this is a crazy, crazy setup. It's super fun to, to be here. For those who don't know, you're best known for your Everydays collection. Every single day, somehow, for the past 15 years, you've carved out time to create a new piece of art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How much time would you say you spend per day on the Everydays? I mean, I'm sure it's variable. because It's some definitely variable. There's been obviously like so much going on over the last year. I would say the last year it's been... About one to two hours. And before that, though, I would say like during the pandemic, there was times where it'd be like, oh, wow, this is, you know, five hours, six hours. It, it's definitely sort of like gone up and down yeah. over the years or whatever. Speaking of that uh, Burning Man. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you went to your first Burning Man last summer. How's it work? Is there service out there for you to keep up the Everdays? Yeah, 100%. Honestly, I would not have got out if I could not do my picture out there. Or it would have been like, oh, I'm going to come out for one day or like, you know what I mean? Like fly in, fly out. So it's people set up their own like villages essentially, right? And there's it's sort of like self-autonomous. Yeah, it's um, everybody sets up like camps. And so there's such a like weird like singular experience that it's hard to sort of like like the closest thing i would say is kind of like disney world in a way because it's such a like crazy like spectacle like at night like during the day it's kind of like this is quite hot this is this is quite sandy it's like okay, so four days here okay <laughs> it's cool it's cool you can't see anything um but at night, it is just insane, and it's, like, perfect temperature. No, like, the dust clears up, and, like, everything is lit up, and it is just, like, what the fuck? Just so much shit. And, like, it's very weird, too, because everything just kind of works there. Mm -hmm. Like, because there's kind of, like, a, an overabundance of, like, supplies that everybody has brought in. So it's just, like... Like on one night there was these two like big like art cars or whatever and they like played music together. But it's like 10,000 people, you know, just like showed up to this, rode their bikes up, parked their bikes, walked up, had like a concert, there's no security, no gates, there's no entrance, there's no tickets, there's no bathrooms. There's no, it's just like, it's very weird. The other thing is if you litter, you don't get your camp the next year. So nobody litters. So there's like, it's perfectly clean. Like, it's very like weird as far as that too. Like, they leave it the way they found it. It is 100%. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. it's definitely. That's like cool. Did definitely. you bathe at any point while you were there? Like, were you just caked um, in a second layer of dirt skin? I did not, actually. I was just like, as soon as we got there. So there's like a, a 
like kind of like custom that they're your first time is my first time mm -hmm. that you like roll around in the like sand as soon as you like get there and like ring this bell or whatever. Uh -huh. So I did that. And then it was just like, fuck it. And you're just going to get dusty again. You're going to get dusty immediately. Yeah. So it's like when I was a kid, I spent three months in the Southern Utah desert. Oh, Jesus. Didn't bathe once the entire time I was out there because it, like, it was like it was like okay, this wilderness. Well, three months. And when I left, three well, months. Because okay. well, we we're like camping the whole time. Like there were no showers. You know, like we went in streams and things like that. But like we didn't even bother trying to. Because like, but anyway, by the end of it, by the end of three months, I remember getting picked up and seeing myself in the mirror for the first time. And I was like, I had literally just multiple layers of skin that were dirt. That like it took months to come off. They, we called it perma dirt. Perma dirt. That's what it was like. It was crazy. Yeah. Gee, that's disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've always showered throughout my life. I have three months where you didn't bathe. I'm a person who's always showered throughout my life. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You son of a bitch. You better not? You think you're better not? Yeah, you uh, think you're better? Wow. <laughs> How much, I'm curious about the everydays, actually. Let's go back for a second. Do you have a favorite? I have a few that stand out, but I wouldn't say there's necessarily a favorite favorite okay. per se do you mind saying which ones stand out for you personally um so the ones that stand out they're kind of hard to describe um like one's like a weird like buzz light year it's like a buzz light year body with like boobs i remember that one yeah <laughs> and a pikachu head yeah and kim jong-un so we've got actually a 12 foot painting of that being made for the like space there in Charleston. Um, I'd love to talk about that, by the way. I mean, so, you know, you graciously showed me around that space that you're building there with your brother. Yeah. And I was really fucking blown away, tremendously inspired to do something for our own space, uh, potentially here in Miami for Yuga Labs. Sure. Because what you're building there is unlike anything I've ever seen. Sort of for people who don't know, we, we've got a space in Charleston that's like 50,000 square feet where we've got Massive. our studios um a bunch of studios and sort of like engineers and stuff working on on physical art pieces and and sort of like building out the space then we've also got like a white wall gallery that's like 13,000 square feet and a this is in the same building and a experiential space that we're building out that is uh, another sort of like 13,000 square feet the thing that i was impressed by maybe more so than anything else was the way it was sort of seemingly being operated or run and 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 the way it was being built. And I didn't know this until we met up, but that your brother is your partner there. Yeah. And he used to work for Boeing. Yeah. It's definitely, uh, I started working with my brother, Scotty, uh, right after the December 2020 uh, thing. And he worked for Boeing, quit his job immediately. And was like, oh, let's make crazy stuff like the human one thing. Um, and so, yeah, he's very much the person sort of running the team there and kind of like managing the the day-to-day -day thing and sort of like I feel super, super, super lucky to be able to like, you know, none of the stuff or, or, or very, very little of the stuff, if any of it, that I got done over the last, you know, year, year and a half or whatever, like without him managing those people, that would not have happened. Because again, I don't know these physical manufacturing processes. Like sometimes I walk through rooms in the building and it's just sort of like, what in the fuck are they doing in here? Like, because there's so many like layers to this stuff and so much like, um, yeah. you know, it's just like, it's a very sort of like involved process. It really felt like I was walking through a warehouse where they might be building airplanes That's or jet engines. Like that's what it <laughs> felt like. It was like, the, like imagine the amalgamation of like you know your creativity sure. and a, an engineer's mind yeah. coming together 
to build an enormous factory almost. It yeah. Like. So, so what do you call your space? Uh, I think we're going to probably end up calling it the space yeah. because it is this like multi-purpose place that it's sort of like the definition is already kind of like so ambiguous that it's yeah. like, well, it's also just kind of like storage. And like my wife has like a like book charity that she's like running from it too. So there's like, you know, 10,000 books in it as well. Like, and she's got like people that are like working out of that too. And like, there's like a kid's room and like, there's, you know, there's like a, so many different sort of like functions to it that it's yeah. sort of like, is just this kind of like ambiguous, like the space or whatever. But I'm really excited for that space to be something that, that the whole community can sort of like utilize and that we can have events that are sort of like cross community events, somewhat in the same way that like we knew is sort of like cross, like trying to like bring together these different IPs, like, that's what I would love to see there, that it's like we have a board Ape event, we have like a CryptoPunks event and like kind of like bring these sort of like, uh, you know, communities together in a place that feels very digital, feels very sort of like um, connected. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to try and do to this space. Well, I'm kind of curious, what was the moment that you saw NFTs as a vehicle for selling your art? Like when did that happen and how did you get into it? Um... So my fans had kind of like been coming up to me and sort of like, you know, sort of wanting me to sort of like look into this stuff and then kind of like explore it. And it took a while for them to sort of like it kind of to like get through to me. But and it even later, it took a long time to like fucking like explain this to me from a bunch of people that I knew really well. But so this was such a like massive like bomb to our like industry that it was like you know we're all kind of like going along all of a sudden it's like Man, what's what's this thing it's like this thing is it's so people are paying for this stuff that we make and like we were like just we're all uploading this stuff for free for years and now people are like hey yeah i'll give you like pretty good sum of money for that thing now and it's like it, it was such just a like crazy thing to like wrap our head around um but when it sort of like click for me and sort of like I kind of recognize that this is um something that has happened in art history before where something is seen as not art and it's like no that's just this thing and photography is like the best example where it's just this practice existed and the people considered themselves artists but the art world did not until like the 70s like very recently until anything before that and it was just sort of like yeah that's not art and so i recognize that the ability for this work to be collected in a meaningful way that has provenance and has uh i don't know just non-fungibility and all the other sort of like properties of nfts like that could be this sort of like game changer moment for what i did sort of digital art you so you started making NFTs and dropping them. Um, wh where was it? Was it on Nifty Gateway? Yeah, Nifty was the first drop. Um, just because as soon as it sort of like clicked, I started just reaching out to like everybody. Like, wait, what the fuck is this? Like, this is crazy. Like, that was October, October of twenty twenty, and so it was definitely just such a like crazy thing that it felt like. I don't know. And like, nobody knew about it. 
and like nobody like the average person like just no idea what the fuck you're talking about um and so that was like it's hard to to like think back to like that none of us knew about this stuff like literally how many years ago like not that long ago two years ago like when did you have ethereum we both got into crypto in 2017. And so at what time in 2017? Because I got some in 2017 too. I, I think it was September 2017. <laughs> oh, I got you. I got you. I think ours was in, I think it was me. I say ours because it was me and my dad. We were like driving across the country for something. Actually, no, it was in September too. Now that I think about that, it was in September. Interesting. Because we were moving. I'm like, well, where the, what the fuck were we doing? I was with my dad and we were in the car. And so we, had, we were driving from Wisconsin to Charleston. We had like a bunch of time to kill. And I was like, oh, this Ethereum thing I keep hearing about. Let's fucking like buy it here. And so we like literally in the car, like bought it while we were driving. I would love to find out if we could figure out when we first bought Ethereum and see if it was the exact same day. (laughs) That's funny. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah. That's funny. So yeah, we, we, I remember I bought Crypto Kitties because it when just, was that? Then that was like December. I, whenever, maybe? whenever it first became like a thing on crypto Twitter, right? It didn't. It, I don't know why, but it didn't like hit me as like, oh, this is going to be a, a big vehicle for art yeah. in the future, right? This, yeah, did, no, it, I, that didn't occur to me because it felt like a weird tech project. Yeah, I hadn't yet discovered CryptoPunks. I, I then saw CryptoPunks not long after that, I think, and. I didn't buy one, even though yeah. I thought the project was cool. I was just like, oh, you know, um, I didn't like catch it like right when they first uh, gave them away. It was yeah. a little bit later. Um, and that should have rung a bell for me, but it didn't. It wasn't until hash mass. And it was because of the, just the fucking number. It was really, it wasn't like the project itself, frankly. It was the fact that like they made like $10 million. Yeah, and that yeah, made yeah. you stop and like really think hard about it. We're like, yeah, okay, no, wait a minute. I knew as soon as that happened, as soon as I saw that, I was like, oh, my sweet God. Like I didn't think how many different ways that idea well i mean it could it, permeate it was there was a period there where after hashmas like anything that went out sold and then it started to hit into a bear market project stopped selling out and it wasn't until bayc i think that kind of the model changed again where it was now it became okay it isn't just about putting up images necessarily as art it became like this there was this other form of nft in a certain sense it was like sure. the club membership nft yep well, and I think you guys kept building stuff. Like, then it was, like, the dogs, and then it was, like, obviously the mutants, and it was, like, there was always something that it was, like, kind yeah. of, like, it was very clear. Right, we had, that like, that first like, ape fest was, like, like, four months in, right? I mean, yeah. like, we were, we were just, like, not sleeping, pushing hard, you know, to bring, like, interesting utility. Yeah, that utility. was, Jesus Christ, that was, like, that was crazy yeah. soon after the thing to have all those, like, people, like, yeah, that is nuts. But yeah, you guys and the and the merch and the merch, right? That was a huge part. Just like being able to like have a hat that signified that you were a part of the club, right? Yeah. That like that bridge of digital physical. I don't think anyone had really done that before us. A hundred percent. I think it's definitely something that it's it's something that obviously resonated with the street sort of like I, I think it resonated with like the streetwear sort of like collectible crowd in a way that like none of the other projects did before that. They were approaching it either from, you know, like myself, the art side of yep. this technology or the crypto side of this technology in right. terms of like that. Um, 
But I don't think people were approaching it like well, that. Well, another thing is just... we, we saw that there was like a ton of people who were collecting NFTs who weren't really integrated into the broader Web3 space. They weren't particularly interested in crypto and they weren't partic particularly interested in like the broader NFT space either. Yeah. But they were interested in NBA top shots, right? Yeah. They were out there like collecting NBA top shot moments. And it was like, cool, like this is, we could create a project that kind of onboards them into the broader ecosystem. And I think sure. a lot of the early adopters of BAYC came from that. Mm. Yeah, I think it's definitely, yeah, I think there was, um, it's interesting in the ways that this technology has sort of tapped into the mainstream and things like Top Shot, where it's like, okay, here, you can use this NFT algorithm thing yeah. to, you know, trade basketball sort of cards or whatever. Um, but yeah, I think it's, I think, and there's room for both, obviously. There's room for things that are like, you know, more appealing to a mainstream audience. And there's room for things that are like more hardcore and sort of like have more, you know, complexity to them that will appeal to, you know, a certain group of people. So that's what to me is like very inspiring is, is seeing both of those and being able to like pick and choose ideas and sort of like themes and like oh okay well you could do that like sort of like thing and like oh here's a little cool little like rule or little like sort of like way of of utilizing this technology or or sort of like interacting with fans or, or collectors um and so that to me has been you know super inspiring as i build stuff this is a good segue though i think into like we've talked about the past and we've talked about you know how we got here and what we've been doing, but I'm curious about where we see things in the future, particularly, you know, what do you have plans for, for Goblin Town? What's the deal, <laughs> Goblin King? What are we doing? <laughs> we're looking for that fucking, we're looking for that fucking sweet, sweet Goblin Town alpha. <laughs> this is some guy. Okay. I'm going to speak in God. <laughs> I'm going to speak in Goblin and the Goblin, my Goblin's out there. You guys know what I'm saying here. Me, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do it. Amazing. I I, that was, that's the first time I've ever heard it. I've never been in that space. No. Is that what they sound like? That's pretty good. That sounded oh, goblin. Oh, that sounded like a goblin. No, it's more like this. I yeah. can't. Okay. It sounded like a murloc like in like Hearthstone. Yeah. Oh, okay. So this is the last episode of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> No, okay. No, it, we're a wrap, boys. We're a wrap. Thank you so much, everybody, for coming in here. I'm so sorry. I'm so, so sorry. In all seriousness, right? Greg and I, we <laughs> believe that when we look to the future of NFTs and the broader space, we're pretty, placing our bets in two spaces, basically. One is the metaverse, uh, obviously, that we're building on the other side. The other is, yep. more broadly speaking, gaming in general. Coming from MMORPGs, which is like our background, really, as gamers. We're like, you know, we already understood the model for digital scarcity. We understood what it meant, the value proposition of like, I'm going to spend all this fucking time in this game just so I can get that cool sword. Mm -hmm. And it's just mine. It's like bind on pickup. What would you mine. say was the most valuable item that you ever had? The most valuable item I have ever had in a video game was I had a fungi tunic in EverQuest, which was just like this incredibly rare chess piece that you'd get at the bottom of this like frog dungeon and you'd put it on and you'd like 
regenerate 17 health a tick. It was sick. Well, that's very. I, I, I wouldn't say it was an item, but in Star Wars Galaxies, which was a, it came before. I played that for really? like one hot weekend, yeah. where I'm like, this is my. It was my life that weekend, and then I, I don't think I ever played it again after that. For me, I, 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 I devoted so much time to that game, and and I was one of the first, um, you know, in the first few hundred or whatever Jedi's in that game, because back then it was like incredibly hard to become a Jedi. You didn't even know how to become a Jedi in the early days, um, and having that whole character being like source of rarity in the game was fucking very cool it wasn't just the item it was like the actual avatar itself oh yeah that was probably super sweet because it's like you'd walk up and could everybody see you were a jedi so the problem was that everyone wanted to be a jedi but the amount of people at the top were so few they didn't actually like plan out content for them well that's because y'all motherfuckers played it like fucking two billion hours yeah, they didn't expect right, right. two billion and fucking 30 hours but the the biggest problem with that game was Long term, what they ended up doing was they they basically made it so that like, okay, yeah, you busted your ass trying to become a Jedi and you finally mm -hmm. became one. Good for you. But so many people were butthurt and they were like, oh man, I want to become a Jedi. And it's so hard to become oh, a Jedi. I'm just a, I'm just, so a weekend, I'm just a weekend warrior, man. Let me become yeah. a Jedi. And so they eventually gave in to those people. And they eventually flipped the script and they were like, okay, you can just start the game as a Jedi. And that, oh, and that immediately wait, ruined they, the game. That's what it, they it's did. Like they it's, okay. like, it's like they rubbed an NFT project to some extent. It's like they opened it up to something. I don't know. Like It's like they that, diluted it. It can right? be, yeah. We get it all the time where people are like, you know, when, 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 like W-E-N, like when's the next thing? And like, how do you like continue to develop you can really interesting utility clear. for all of those? It's like, that doesn't make any sense right now. Yeah. Like I, I'm only interested in like weird digital physical experiences or pushing the boundaries of utility from game, from the gaming side or creating, um, frankly, just like weird moments for the club to experience online. Mm -hmm. Like that's where it's like, I think just creating things that interest people and sort of like inspire people those are the things that's going to give mm -hmm. uh real sort of like lasting value um and those things are not easy to to sort of do and create and that's where i think um you know you're going to see a lot of separation in the market even more than you already have from the projects who can sort of really hold people's attention and and kind of over a long period of time, continue to interest people and the things where it was just, you know, hype and just sort of... Burp, burp. We look at crypto and NFTs in this way. In 2017, there was a cryptocurrency called Dentacoin. Dentacoin? Wait, you don't remember this? This was like, I, I swear to God. Now, that's the thing, like before NFTs, I honestly knew very little about it. So there was, this was a real thing, and I, I might get the stats here wrong, but it was somewhere between, I think, $300 and $500 million market cap. Okay. And I should not, like the premise of this cryptocurrency was it was going to revolutionize the dental industry. Ah! Right? And this is like peak bubble shit, right? You look at that, <laughs> and it's like... It's just, oh a, my God. But so anyways, it's a good marker, right? To like, look at where we are in the bubble. And it was like, when we were at the top of the game, this past, you know, bubble, we were looking around and we were getting proposed ideas for NFTs that made no sense. Sure. Right. And they were like, oh, this is going to revolutionize X industry, every, this industry. And you're kind of like us, I've learned, I've learned is that you're a realist when it comes to this stuff. You're looking at the market and you're going, actually, no, a lot of this is probably Dentacoin. And it doesn't actually make a lot of sense. And so we've been hyper aware of that from the beginning. It's actually part of the reason why we raised. It was like, okay, no, we need like a, like a massive runway here to make it through any bear market. Sure. Um, and we need to be building at like, you know, the furthest reaches of whatever could be innovative for the space in ways that are not Denticoin, the opposite. But I think there's so many unique experiences and like what you guys did with, with the other side thing to me was such a like cool 
moment and like it was so and and you know i wasn't like in it but just seeing the like videos afterwards it was so cool to see something where there's so many people and like such a like different type of experience um curious about something else so obviously this podcast is called the fucking metaverse (laughs) um and i'm curious where what you think about the metaverse and i'm curious where you think the space in in that sense is going and also if we are heading into the metaverse, you know, whether it be five, 10 years from now, whatever, what's the Beeple metaverse look like? What does the Beeple metaverse look like? So I think it, for me, metaverse is tough because I think it's, um, I don't know, it's such a like loaded term and nobody knows what it is. And like yep. to some people, crypto is the metaverse. To some people, Discord is the metaverse. To some people, you know, certain games are the metaverse or whatever. Like, and I find all of these things to be interesting, but I actually have like a much broader view of like what I think the metaverse will be. Um, and I actually think the metaverse will, that we'll come to know as sort of like, I think these things are metaverses in a way, but I think there will actually be one sort of like, I call it the true metaverse that we'll all sort of look back at as like the first actual sort of like metaverse. Um, And nobody has built this yet. And I think it will actually be with AR, that it will be objects and it will actually fulfill a lot of the promises of that people are making now and make a lot more sense almost in a way. So like with Bored Apes, I think in this true metaverse, which again does not exist and like will not exist for a while. And and when I say AR, I mean when people are wearing glasses Mm -hmm. and and sort of like everybody has these on all the time and it's just sort of like that. That is where I think the like kind of like over a longer period of time, we'll sort of know as the first kind of like true metaverse. And then in that true metaverse, like the Bored Ape thing, like that could be exactly like how you like looked in it. Mm -hmm. And when everybody's sort of like plugged into like, okay, I'm going to view it through this you know, sort of filter of NFTs or whatever, I could be looking at you and like, that's how you look, or you're wearing a shirt or you have like some like sort of like thing that kind of like somehow signifies it and everybody could see. And now these avatars, it literally will be instantly like, Mm -hmm. you're that, you're that, you're that, or you're wearing those shoes now, now all this like, okay, artifact shit and all this stuff. Now it's like, well, there is the shoes, like there is the shirt, there is this crazy backpack, there is this thing over your head and it's got the blue check mark. So I know that's like a real thing. And so I think that's obviously a ways off. What you seem to be describing is a world where it's so integrated into people just literally walking around and experiencing things. It's just like a layer on top of their normal lives. I think about some of the things that people are building now and it's sort of like, to me, the metaverse is more of like a singular thing that it's like, it's more like the internet. And so it's sort of mm-hmm. like, is my mom going to be involved in this? And it's sort of like, my mom's not going to play a game. It's got to be something where it's like unobtrusive. It's the next sort of like uh, the next kind of like era of computing. Well, so and that's, so that's, that's, that's where I sort I've of been thinking like, it, I'm thinking of it in terms of like, this is actually the next evolution of the internet itself. A hundred percent. Yes. And that's what I think will become to be known as the first sort of like true metaphors. Mm-hmm. We all started using carrying around phones because that was better and it was more useful. So as soon as somebody builds a virtual space that is more capable more expressive, more 
dynamic, more creative mm -hmm. than sort of like what we can do in the real world, which to be honest, I think the bar is very high on that for a lot of people um, to spend like a very significant amount of time. Um, I think it will, you know, it's, it's really like as soon as that it gets built and like you will see like a sort of like mass adoption. But I think it's like there's so many different use cases like between something like where we are now and like something like that. What is the Beeple version of that AR world look like? Is that something that would interest you? So whether it be three years, five years from now to create in environments that revolve around your art? So the Beeple version of that in sort of like what I'm talking about is, um, is something where you can, I can make 3D objects and sort of like place them. And I actually did uh, a bunch of, of concept work prior to the NFT stuff for Magic Leap for like years. I did like a variety of different sort of like concepting work for them. Um, and one of the things that Roni actually had an idea, idea for was uh, this Beeple box, which would basically be a space volume or whatever in your like house that you could sort of like put like any kind of like 3d object and then it would sort of like you know just populate that space um so it's like it's like the same way we have digital picture frames now it's essentially a digital space for 3d sculptures exactly and the, and i would be able to like update it and like this will definitely exist of course and so you'll be able to like just change it to whatever and it can be animated and you like walk mm -hmm. down some morning all of a sudden you look over in the corner and it's like whoa what the fuck is that uh i think that's sort of like one version in the ar thing but in the like vr thing or sort of like in like a game world or, or something like that i think to me that would be super sort of like exciting too and i think um you know i grew up very much sort of like playing games and and for the long time I wanted to make games and, and sort of went and got a computer science <laughs> computer science degree to do that until I realized, yeah, no, I can't make games. I'm not gonna be making games. But like I think there's because I work in 3D and make 3D assets, it literally like directly translates. Like every single day I'm making a 3D environment. It's not just like, hey, you're gonna go into the space and here's this object that you can look at. It's actually that like these will be wildly interactive spaces, yes. right? And so when I think about like it from the perspective of like Gary's Mod or even Rust or Ark Survival or some of these like, you know, mildly open world games where you can create and do whatever you want and build whatever you want in them. Some of the most fascinating content I've seen over the past five, six years is role-playing games essentially that were created on these platforms and Twitch streamers utilizing them to show off what they can do. The idea that like, you know, if you're creating these AR or slash VR worlds, what you can do in them creates narratives and story around it and give people more than just a sense of digital identity. That's like you're going in and it's like you're basically gamifying it. And yeah. from an art perspective, it's amazing because you can just yeah. like, it's free reign. It's like yeah, you're creating a world. Yeah. Right. And, and, you, and, can, and, and, and you know, other side is going to be a platform to enable creators to do stuff like that. But really it's the same as like, if Roblox weren't for children, right? Like if the Roblox were for adults, like maybe people, you know, would go in there and like create a world, right? But you wouldn't because it's for Roblox, it's voxel, it doesn't look that cool and it's also for kids, right? Yeah. What if they're a platform for adults? I don't adults? think I would last too long on Roblox. Yeah. I feel like that would be a permabat pretty quick. <laughs> I mean, like, that'd be pretty good. Wow, pretty you lasted quick. four days. Yeah. That's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's, 
to me that like that's very exciting well i just like i like the idea of empowering creators to have creative control in one of these environments right it's that like this is your space you can do whatever you want in there it's not like you have to partner with a gaming studio to like sure create the people x activision or whatever it's like this is like this is just people's world like you can go there and fuck around i would love to sort of like see my stuff in an environment like that and so it's super cool to like you know know that you guys are building something that it would be like a place where i could have something in there like what's tough again is the infrastructure that it requires to build something like that from scratch i i don't think i have to tell you guys making a game is hard very hard very hard making a game is hard it's hard but rewarding uh, if you get it right right that's like the magic it's very rewarding it is again a lot a lot of work that to me is frankly not that interesting because it is so sort of like technical and so sort of like um there's just a lot to do it at scale obviously well, so i think but being able but, to but utilize look, that let, and like piggyback off that and like you know play with that tool that to me yeah so is super leave, exciting. leave the infrastructure to us right like yeah we'll, we'll handle that. that's where it's like i'm very interested to like have like a space like that that where if i could like have the tools to sort of like build out a world and sort of mm-hmm. like have it exist within the the rest of this ecosystem and work within that especially because even more than just the like technical, like, okay, the character can move and it's a 3D environment, blah, 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 is having the things that you guys have sort of like built out in terms of the like resources and stuff too, that it can be populated with things that already have, they have some sort of like weight and value and sort of like also explain to people, okay, here's this world and it's got this buzz-tonium and it's got this fucking whatever and it's got da-da-da-da-da. And it's like, I think that's a lot and sort of like having some sort of like intermediary to kind of like piggyback off what I think appeal to a, like a lot of creatives mm-hmm. and it's something that I think would, would be very sort of like exciting. I think we should talk about the fact that Eagle Labs is acquiring. We knew. There it is. <laughs> There's the alpha. You got your freaking alpha. Yeah. So if, we're releasing, if we're releasing this, this would be after. Oh, son of a bitch. Okay. We'll see this is know. not alpha anymore. You've already, you already know this news. Go ahead and tune out of this podcast. There is no alpha. I'm so sorry for wasting your time. I mean, this is something <laughs> no, that I think, uh, we're incredibly excited about. Yeah, been, 100%. I've been working very hard to make this happen for a very long time. Um, it came about partly because we're such big fans of yours, but also Figgy. It was having met Figgy through Gaia Siri yeah. um, that we realized he was easily one of the most thoughtful people in Web3. Sure, um, 100%. And had so much professional experience um, through his prior companies yep. that we just knew we needed to bring him on board in some in That's some a capacity. good move. It really that kid's was, a friggin' beast. It, it was, so and, that's, then, that's and then, and then our love of 10 key, 10 KTF was, you know, we were thinking this is a project that just makes sense for the entire ecosystem. It's inclusive. It's egalitarian. Um, yep. It has that, those sort of narrative moments where it's like, oh, we're fighting against a common enemy. You yep. know, all of that made a lot of sense. And you guys have an incredible engineering team. A hundred percent. Which was yeah. kind of blew our minds. Whereas we've been running Yuga Labs more like a creative studio. We knew had been running almost like a true tech company. Well, and that's the thing, which is fucking crazy. Like freaking those guys over there and it's it's figgy and it's roy and ryan too are just freaking beasts 
um, they're very good at setting up systems and like pipelines and stuff. And like, you know, the, the dev team over there is insane and the things they built, the warm wall of things and stuff like that is just absolutely crazy. But it's funny, you know, you talking about this being like a good fit and like something that, that felt like a, a very natural kind of like natural sort of like acquisition or sort of like, you know, merging situation or whatever. Um, it's funny because when we saw that trailer, for the first trailer for the other side and we saw all the things at the end it was like well i certainly know what all those things have in common and because again this is what we were doing with the like derivatives and so like we were sort of like okay so that seems like they're definitely going in the same direction there like i actually floated the idea in like right almost immediately after i saw that to like i I don't know if i floated i know i floated to figgy and then i don't know if we tried to talk to guy and be like oh is this maybe like thing i don't don't remember but it was kind of regardless of how we got there it's it's definitely i feel like um such a good fit because it's like we're very much trying to make things that pull all of these separate pieces together um, and, and all these objects, it, it kind of just makes perfect sense for like the other side that it's like, there's all these objects and things that that sort of like um, pull from these places. And I think it's, it's, you know, being part of like Yugo will allow us to sort of like see this world through at a mm-hmm. scale that just like would not have been possible before. And so to me, that's like super exciting. And I think there's so much um, similarity in the direction that I think we see things going yeah. and where we think, where we see true value and mm-hmm. true interesting new opportunities. I mean, I can't think of another Web3 company that's doing this, but you guys created the character Wagmisan and created this whole narrative. We've been developing the character of Curtis the Ape sure. as sort of our primary and then our and then Blue the Coda. Um, and it just kind of made sense. These are the three characters that I think of when I think of this space now. Yeah. Uh, and New Tokyo as a location I think belongs in other side to some yeah, extent because it, ha- it has the same ethos. It has the same spirit. And it's like, I, you know, I, I can't promise that this is going to happen, but it's definitely my vision for it. It's like, I want new Tokyo to be that first place you go to when you come into the other side. That's like that you're, you're, you're going and you're meeting Wagmi-san and he's introducing you to this new world. Sure. I yeah. Know. I think it's definitely, I think there needs to be more sort of like, depth and sort of like story arc to this stuff and i think you guys have always obviously you guys have such a like strong like literary background that i think that's something that resonated with people right away with with board apes that it's sort of like it has more sort of like depth to it and more sort of like background to it um than just sort of like here's these generated images and i think that to me is really exciting and i think um being able to sort of like think creatively about like how you could like have these things. It's yeah. super, super fun and super, super like rewarding. And there's just so many possibilities. And there's like, there's so few rules. It feels like too, that there's, and there's, it also feels like there's a lot of low hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot of things where it's like, Oh man, nobody's tried this. Nobody's tried that. Like, and so I'm like super, super excited about it. And I think, um, yeah, I know the whole team is like very, very pumped. And I think the the community is obviously going to be, uh, you know, super jacked about this. And I think it's, it's, 
I'm excited to see where this sort of like goes from here now that this is kind of like, you know, an official thing. It just meets all the criteria of when we think about the things that we're building. Yeah, 100%. I think I think things that are sort of like now in a sense, all of those, uh, the all of the um, projects that we support Mm -hmm. are kind of in a way part of the Yuga Labs ecosystems, you know, and that seems like something you guys have always been been very sort of like, you know, working towards yeah. is excited about is is sort of like bringing together those those communities. Exactly. Right. Or just anyone. Yeah, exactly. It's good for, again, good for the whole ecosystem. Yeah. Well, I think this has been great. Thank you, people, for coming on the show. Thank Wait, you guys. Hold on. Fun. I'm sorry. I, I, this was literally my mission. Okay. What's your hair routine? Okay, this like, is what, my what products are you using? I know you touch routine. it a lot. You're holding okay. on to it really well. It's this is phenomenal. part of it is you go like this and you yeah. kind of like stand it up. Okay. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> okay. So you run your fingers through it like that. Yeah. No. Um comb it. Do you use, do you use any product? Yes. <laughs> I do have some stuff. I have no idea what it is. <laughs> it's like a it's like a thing you put on and then like I it's like put it on when the hair is wet. <laughs> and I feel I sound like the guy from Silence of the Lamb. You put it on the thing when it's wet. Um I don't know what it is. It's fair enough. Uh yeah. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you guys for having me. This was like super fun and like such a good chance to like catch up here. And like obviously we're very much at the beginning of this. And I think it's exciting to see where it can go from here because i think obviously with other side there's just so many you know possibilities and i think there's so many opportunities to do uh things storytelling wise um that i think are going to be really exciting and feel really fresh and new and and truly like a new experience um 100 yeah. Well, we're unbelievably excited. People, thank you so much for joining us on the fucking metaverse. Thank you. On <laughs> the fucking metaverse, I did. <laughs>